Welcome to The Living Classroom, where we explore the daily living of three-stream Anglicanism. I'm your host, Alan Hughes. Welcome to The Living Classroom. I'm Alan Hughes, and I'm here today with Dave Larley from All Saints Dallas. Dave's been in All Saints at All Saints Dallas for seven years. Him and his wife, uh, Rachel, um, 17 years of marriage with three kids. Um, he hails from Canada. He was trained in England, and now he's doing his ministry uh, with Philip in Dallas. And so it's just a welcome to have uh, you here today on the Living Christian Day. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. So today, the topic that we want to dive into is uh, around the gifts of the Spirit and specifically around prophecy. Um, how does that work in a three-stream church? What does that look like? What's the vision of that? I know this is something you spend a lot of time training and maturing in and experiencing. And so uh, so the, my first question, Dave, is give us the big picture. Why, why is this something or why is this important for three-stream Anglican living? Um, Alan, it, this is such an exciting topic for me because it's something that uh, I had zero experience of and when I encountered it, it brought, um, brought everything into full rich color. Um, and to me, the gift of prophecy is one of the power tools of the kingdom. And, you know, like any power tool, it's got to be handled with responsibility and understanding. But, you know, I've seen a prophetic word used in such a way that has suddenly opened up the most incredible opportunities for the gospel. And I think it's, if you, you know, if you, you could use power tools to do work, why wouldn't you? Now you don't always want to pull up the drill to change, you know, to do a little bit of handiwork. But when we're talking about the hard work of sowing the kingdom and of building gospel ministry, uh, the gift of prophecy is, is, is an incredible asset if nurtured properly and led properly. Yeah, that's great. I love that image of the power tool. It's so effective if you know how to control the power, A, and if you know what you're using it for. You know, there's certain power tools that you don't want to use for this job. And so I love that analogy. That's that's a great picture. So so if it's this, you know, incredible power tool that we should all have in our, say, tool belt as uh, leaders of three stream American churches, Ground that for me in scripture. Where, 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 where are we getting that in the word? So um, we see it in a number of places. We see it in Paul's epistles. We see it in 1 Corinthians. We see it in Romans. We also see Jesus making reference to it. And this is perhaps one of my favorite verses is in John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, where Jesus is using the analogy of him being the good shepherd. And shepherds and sheep, you know, they live and die by voice recognition. And in verse 3, uh, Jesus says, the sheep hear my voice. Uh, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So there's something here about voice recognition that enables us to follow him. Um, and then whenever Paul lifts the spiritual gifts, prophecy is always the top of the list. And uh, for example, in Romans, um, Romans chapter 12, 
um, verses three to three to eight. He talks about the gifts of grace, and um, and then in one Corinthians fourteen and thirteen, the whole treatise on love and gifts, and where he's contrasting um, the gift of tongues versus the gift of prophecy. He makes it pretty clear that the gift of prophecy is one of the few gifts that edifies the whole body. Right. And, and for example, one of the things that I found so encouraging, I just found recently, just leapt out at me, if you'll permit me to share, is in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 24 and 25, we have this amazing picture that is my longing for when people come to All Saints, and I'm sure everyone would long for this. It says that if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all and he's called to account by all. It's verse 24. And then 25 says the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And then here's the kicker. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. And for a long time, I think this illustrates the power of prophecy so well. That's been used, and I've only heard people talk about, oh, they'll come under conviction of sin. And I think most people who come in who have issues, they know their issues, and they don't need to know that you know their issues. But here, the fact that they fall on their face and they begin to worship a God a moment before they didn't realize shows to me that there's something about the nature of prophecy that enables people to discover the treasure that God has for them, the gold standard that God has for them. And um, it, that is incredibly powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to get away from Scripture unless I want to say, okay, well, prophecy was for back then and it's not for today. Um, but honestly, my, you know, I went through seminary. They didn't train me in prophecy. They didn't say, we expect for this to happen for you. And they gave me the degree and they gave me a title and everything. And they sent me on my way. And so when you're talking to, you know, Anglican clergy, again, we're in a three stream, you know, sort of society. What does that look like for me on a day-to-day basis? If I say, yeah, I mentally assent to what you're saying, I don't disagree, but how do I, what do I do about it? Like, how does that, how does that start to happen? I, you know, I want people to come to the Lord because, you know, I had some prophetic word or somebody in my church did. How do I, what do I do? What's next? You know, Alan, if you take any of the streams, we have all three together. So it's like the full meal deal, but take liturgy, take uh, excellence in preaching, take whatever you choose, worship. It all comes down to technique. And, you know, whether a musician or a sp- athlete or you have a hobby, you, you need technique. And the technique is where, where you learn how to do something through repetition and practice. And it's where the work comes into temper gifting. And so you got to start. And, you, and, and I would say that the place where we, our starting point, even if people come and they say, yeah, I've been around and I have a real prophetic gift. And, you know, it's one thing to say something. We're always looking to see, can they walk the walk as well as talk the talk, you know? Um, so the top of our funnel would be something like the Alpha Course and especially the Holy Spirit Weekend because... It, you need a sound foundation of theology on who the Holy Spirit is. And then look for ways to enable people to get some of that technique. And, you know, for clergy, 
um, who are, you know, competent and confident in the other two. And this might be the area which is like, I believe in it. I just like don't have a roadmap. What does it look like? I would say here, this for me in my life, it's um, that's where the role of mentors and others who are just a little bit further down the road have been helpful. I mean, you, for example, have been incredibly helpful for me. Uh, we were on a trip, I think it was four years ago up in Canada, and I had a word for someone. And we had just been talking on the way there about, you know, you don't always have to get go for the super detail. And I gave the general word out and I tried to fill in a few more of the details and and he kind of looked at me afterwards because the guy said, you know, that first bit that was really general spot on. But when you add all that other detail, I don't really know what that was about. And so, you know, you looked at me and said, see, forest for the trees, right? And, and it was kind of really helpful to have someone to talk to and also uh, coach me a little bit in that. Yeah. That, so I would say the first place is that one-to-one. Yeah. That humility piece of saying, what I hear you saying is I got to come to this with some humility. Like I got to be honest, like I don't know how to do it or I don't know where to start and I need someone to help me. I, you know, that, that's what I'm hearing you say. There's this, it starts again, why are we shocked with humility? Um, but Hey, who can teach me? Who can I process this with versus, you know, Hey, I'm going to learn how to do it and then go do it perfectly. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, Alan is one of the greatest gifts God's given us is common sense and for some reason, when something becomes spiritual, we think, oh, I'll just turn my common sense off and let things go wild. And I think one of the things we know about the kingdom through Jesus' teaching is that if something is true in the natural, it's also likely to be true in the spiritual. And so how we are in the natural world is also um, true in the spiritual. So I would ask someone, how are you at relating to people who are a little bit different? who you don't necessarily understand their background, how are you at not only listening, but hearing people or interacting with people who are a bit quirky? Because, you know, I think if you're in ministry, you're going to interact with them. Right. And my temptation is always to flock around people like me. But I, I think one of the things that I've seen in trying to foster the prophetic gift is you have to be willing to embrace people who are different and it requires actually also a little bit of uh skill adding skill in, in your pastoral ability too right so someone comes shows up to your church and they say hey man i got this word from god you know in it you know hey the, you know COVID is a sign from god that we have to you know blah 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 and it and you know and you gotta you gotta administer that do you you know, do you, how do you foster it? How do you shut it down? I mean, what, what do you do? I mean, that, I think that's the, I would say, I don't know, I don't know if fear is the right word, but I think the um, people are, I think, inhibited by that unknown. Like when someone comes up to you and says, I got this sort of grand word from God and you're the clergy at the church, how do you handle that? You know, what, what, what mistakes do you, have you seen people do and, and, and how, and what advice might you give when, when that starts to happen? You know, my temptation, maybe like many on this call or I've watched this podcast is to be blinded by gifting. You know, I think most of us have all prayed that as it pertains to the word of God, Lord, please make me Tim Keller or fill in the blank. Right. But right. I think here, this is where the encouragement is not to look to the gift 
or maybe to the experience, but to the fruit. And to realize that the nature of prophecy in the new covenant that we're in and the old covenant is, in, is very different. In the Old Testament, prophets received the word of God, right? They received direct download. It doesn't happen today. And I, I've gotten to the point of thinking, as it pertains to the prophetic gift in the New Testament church, that it, some people use the word prophet, but I think it's the church prophetic. I think it's a prophetic culture we're looking to build where, where everyone is, they can be available to use by the Holy Spirit to encourage. Uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, I grew up in a French town in northern New Brunswick in the east coast of Canada. And my, the first language I learned to speak is French. And so my mother tongue is French. And this is the, the, the golden rule I follow when someone gives me a word, is that my conviction is that the mother tongue of the Holy Spirit is encouragement. And so if it isn't encouraging, I'm not going to give it out. I'm just going to say, mm, that's interesting. You know, someone's got to repent of this. So, well... You may have got a diagnosis, but that's not necessarily a prophetic word of encouragement you want to give out. The other thing is, um, can, can it pass the John 3.16 test? You know, God so loved the world, came into the world to save it, not to judge it, right? So we don't want to pronounce judgment. We want to build up and we want to draw people closer to the Lord. And I think if that's, that's the kind of the four, that's the shorthand of the criteria I'll often use and if it ticks those boxes, I'm still going to ask, do I know this person? And if I don't know them, I'm still probably not going to let them share it. I might take the word and share it and leave them out of it entirely, just because it shouldn't be about the personality. Yeah. So what's helpful, what I heard you say that was helpful for me is like, if someone's coming in with this sort of judgmental word and, you know, doom and conviction and all that, that's a good filter. Say that's probably not from God. And I don't, I can just kind of, you know, I don't need to, you know, admonish them and, you know, but at the same time, that's not something I would receive and allow to, to take, you know, shape or take life in, in the congregation. But if it is encouraging, you think about it. But then there's another step. Is this person, does they have a sense of character? Are they known? Is this something that they're, you know, they're trying to get an ego trip? You know, I got to stand up in front of everybody and give the word of God. Now I'm a spiritual giant. And, and you you say, hey, no, that if, if that's the case, I'm probably not going to give that word. And so those are some very, I think, helpful um, key concepts as you're starting into it. Um, how about resources? How about you know, let's say I'm listening to this podcast and I say, okay, I want to create some space in whether it's the worship service or in, you know, my meetings or somewhere where the prophetic can start to maybe come to life. What resources, what training, you know, is there some book you might want to read? Do I go to a conference? I mean, how, what would you say your recommendation for somebody asking that question? What's the, what's the first step? You know, there's a temptation to go to a conference, to catch it and take it home. And I think there's a place for conferences. Uh, obviously, in a COVID-19 world, maybe not so much. You know, <laughs> right. the online conference, I don't know if that works as much. Maybe it probably does, but just not for me. Uh, I think the other thing, too, is certainly with the history of the Ann Commission, I think all roads lead to South Carolina, right? Because 
Pauly's Island was known when Chuck Murphy was there for all, all the kind of move the spirit. And I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but truthfully, the truth is there are people in the mission who are really seasoned, really wise at this, and that that would be available to help. So I know in my, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the mentors in the prophetic that helped me, especially because of the intensity that can come with this, right? Because often yeah. when, when one of the first things that the Lord looks to do is to heal and, you know, receiving, you know, supernatural insight from God can get a bit intense. But, you know, last time I checked in Galatians, intensity isn't a fruit of the spirit. So having help just to kind of how do I handle that? All that is just incredibly powerful. And I think like you and I were talking earlier um, before this, there's kind of, there are different models out there. And the challenge we have is we're trying to do more than a lot of other tribes because we've got the liturgy, the ministry of the word, the you know, sacraments and the prophetic all in one. Um, and so it's finding different resources that, um, that can help. And so to my mind, I've been really encouraged by the way that prophecy is being taught out of Bethel church and, um, because of the emphasis on encouragement and there's, there's some resources there, uh, user-friendly prophecies, another resource that you and I have talked about, um, there, and, and it, you get to a point where all of a sudden it's what don't we suggest? Cause there, there is a lot of material out there, but like in anything in discipleship, it's the relationship that matters. And so it's just learning to use the gift on your own. Okay. But pastoring the gift and, and, and pastoring the prophetic, you really need to have a dialogue with somebody else who's, who's moving along in this as well. That's great. So if I'm going to get into it, what I'm hearing you say is I should expect that I'm going to have questions <laughs> and I'm going to, you know, I come across some intense experience or something came up. And I didn't expect it or I get surprised. That's just going to happen. And now I need to be able to process that process that with somebody who, you know, can mentor me, can help me see it for what it is and help me make sense of it. And so you got to take a step and then you got to grow and mature and you're not going to probably do that on your own. Again, it's just, it goes back to the humility. Do you have the humility to say, I need to grow in this gift. Here's where I am. I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm at a, you know, a one and I want to get to, you know, nine and 10, but I, I, I got to take step two and then three and four. I think that's great. And, you know, and like you say, I think the mission does have mentors um, that are available for people. And if that's something you're interested in, call us and we can, we can hook you up with someone who can mentor you in some of these things and get you some of these resources. Yeah, I, I love that point. The other thing that you said that I just really love was, you know, I think you see this in the church is that if there's something like prophecy that gets squelched in the liturgical church, I think happened for a season, it pops up, you know, it pops up somewhere else in the church. You know, it's its own thing. There's the prophetic movement and there's all these prophets and whether it's the Kansas city prophets or, you know, morning star or whatever, they all kind of just pop up and they're running with it. But the best, and I love what you said, the best way is, but when it's done in that three stream, it has that right balance. And so you're using the power tool, the right way for the right thing. And there you got, you have a lot of other tools as well that you're using. It's not just this one tool. And I think that's, you know, when you see the, the error of the sort of, let's say the prophetic movement, it's their power tool for everything. Right. 
instead of, hey, this is, you know, this is one of them. And so um, that's, that's super encouraging. Um, um, well, sort of the, the last thing that I would say, you know, I always ask on the podcast is what would you just say to the crowd, the troops, whoever's listened, if this is something, you know, what's your word of encouragement? You know, what word, last word would you say to them as we close up? What would you um, encourage them to think or do or be? I would encourage you that to me, church is meant to be a place that's incredibly exciting. Uh, you know, theologically, we know that God is with us all day long, wherever we go. There's nowhere we can go to be away from him. And yet there's something, and I think we felt the, the loss of it during moments when we haven't been able to worship together. But when we gather together, there's an excitement that should be there because we know God's going to do something. And we're just eagerly anticipating what it is, especially now in the season we're in with, with a certain amount of uncertainty and challenge where we have, but we have all these promises that Jesus has made to us. And we have the opportunity, you know, prophecy isn't so much foretelling as it is forthtelling, where we're calling forth the things that we don't see yet, we know them to be true, and sowing words of encouragement into people's lives so they can take the next step of obedience. And I would just encourage you in that because it just, it just becomes so exciting. Now, the cost is, too, um, that you sometimes have to remove to make room in the liturgy, a little piece here, a little piece there, so you can actually allow room to breathe. And I think we have full permission to do that. I think it's actually the way it was designed is to give us a, a framework that we work from um, and to play with. So I would just encourage us all um, to take the permission we have to, I would even use the word play, which I understand might not feel like play your first couple of times, right. but there is a playfulness, a playful side of God. And when we can use this and harness these gifts, we really see, see that come out. That is a good word, brother. And again, to all those listening, I just want to say thank you for joining on the uh, Living Classroom. And we're excited that you would join us again next week. Thanks, Dave, for your time. Pleasure. Good to see you. Good to be with you all. Bye, guys. Thank you for joining us today in the Living Classroom. For more information about the Living Classroom community, please visit us at thelivingclassroom.org. Until next time, blessings.